Resistance, Chapter 33, March 1st, 1943, Warsaw Ghetto. After a week of working within the ghetto, Tamir found me again, asking if I would come speak to him and other leaders of ZOB. What about Esther? She wasn't far from me, amid a pile of sticks smuggled in from the forest. We'd been carving them into crude pikes, weapons that would take little more training than stab with the sharp end. The word passing through the bunkers was that our leaders expected face-to-face fighting with the Nazis. A sharpened stick wouldn't stop a bullet, but it was better than nothing, and we had plenty of nothing here already. Tamir eyed Esther, then said to me, We only need to speak with you. With a glance back and a shrug, I followed him from our our half-constructed bunker down Mila Street to another larger bunker that served as headquarters for the ZOB's leadership. Mordecai wasn't here, nor had I met him yet, but much as I would have relished the honor, I was sure he had far more important things demanding his attention. Instead, for this meeting, only one other person was here, a woman who introduced herself as Rachel. She had a pretty face with thick brows and dark hair pulled into a bun and wore what appeared to be a mechanic's uniform. She belted it and created a holster at her side for a gun, and I had no doubts about her aim. Tamir sat beside her and invited me to sit in a chair across from them. The formality unnerved me. Was this a conversation or an interrogation? Rachel began, I am told you were a courier for Akiva. I still am, I replied, though there isn't much left of Akiva anymore. She glanced over at Tamir, then said, Nor will there be much left of the ZOB after the Germans are through with us. I understand that. Why did she think I had come all this way, risked everything I had left in the world? Tamir shifted the conversation. How old are you, Kaya? Sixteen. Only four years younger than Mordecai and Anilewitz when when the war began. Like your Akivia leaders, he had no military training, no real leadership experience, and yet we follow him. Do you know why? I shrugged. Rachel cut in. Mordecai escaped Poland at the beginning of the war and could have remained free, but he cared more about the youth he left behind. He cared more about helping us then about his own life. Now we fight for him. She leaned forward. Will you? We have one enemy, I said. So as far as I'm concerned, there is only one resistance, and he leads it. Rachel smiled. You have been involved with the resistance for several months, correct? We've heard your name. We know your work. Why did Akiva fail in Krakow? What does it mean to fail? We never expected to defeat the Nazis, but we wanted to meet our deaths in an honorable way, to bring attention to our cause from those who are strong enough to win. Yes, yes, that is true All of, our, of all of our resistance groups. Rachel was becoming impatient, but we want to know what lessons you learned from Akivia that we can use here, that we can help, uh, that can help us to avoid the same mistakes. Oh, I drew in another breath, then began. We spent most of our time just trying to convince people of what was happening, both inside the ghettos and out. When we began to fight, it was too late. Tamar and Rachel exchanged looks. I thought of the last fall's deportations in Warsaw, hundreds of thousands of Jews sent to their deaths on the trains, and I'd seen more of them in the ghetto now. Yes, 
There were many who were working and planning and preparing, but they were doing it all for the thousands who remained, some too weak to offer any assistance, and others so broken they welcomed to their deaths. We needed more workers, more fighters, anyone who wanted to live enough that they would die for it. But maybe it really was too late for all of them, for all of us. Before the Nazis could kill the Jews, they had to break us down. To save the Jews, we had to build them up again. Was that possible here? I gestured around us. This is the headquarters for all the leadership, correct? I think it's a mistake. We had only one bunker for our leaders, which made it easy for the Nazis to find them. And it's the only reason I'm still here. I had somewhere else to go. If this place is compromised, and it will be sooner or later, you must give the people another place to go. The Germans believe taking out the leader's bunker is like removing the heart. Rachel nodded. Anything else? I shrugged. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. The fact is, we made many more mistakes than that. Most of us are young. None of us are trained to fight against any such army. Um, and we are operating with few resources, limited movement, and a world that has almost entirely ignored what is happening to us. The only thing we really want to trigger other uprisings elsewhere in Poland never happened. It's happening here, as you hoped. Rachel tilted her head. Do you believe there is any chance of uprisings from the other ghettos? I shrugged again. Krakow won't fight back again, nor will Lodes, though I'm sure there are people in both districts who would if they could. But I think there is hope for Bayaksak and Sobibor or Tarnow. And if we are very lucky, the Polish army will see what a handful of Jews can do with a small cachet of weapons and less than a mouthful of bread. If we fight, then they can too. Now Tamir and Rachel were smiling. Tamir said, Where did you get this fire, Kaya? To desire, this desire to stand up against Hitler's armies. My cheeks warmed, and I didn't know what to say. Was it a fire within me, or foolishness? But the question evaporated when Rachel continued. What about your friend Esther? I know she looks timid, but she's stronger than people know. We do know her, Rachel said, or we knew her father. Esther must leave the ghetto for her own good. Other fighters won't risk their lives for her, nor will they trust her to help them. My fists tightened. Maybe Esther and I hadn't fully resolved the issue of trust between us, but that was no reason to send her away. Esther is as much a part of this resistance as I am. It's not about her beliefs or her background. A lot of people here lost family members thanks to her father, and those same people need her help now. I looked at Tamar. You said we need every person we can get, not if a person gets in our way. We won't send her out on her own, of course. We're looking for a safe house that will, recept a, will accept a girl of her age and with her looks. That isn't easy. Certainly not with the tension so high throughout Warsaw, but we are trying. We didn't want to surprise you, just in case she isn't here one day. I stood. You're wrong, both of you. Esther risked her life to come back here to deliver a package. Did she give it to you yet? They looked at each other confused. They had no idea what I was talking about. Did Esther lie about the package too? I felt stupid, uncommonly naive. Of course she lied. She couldn't have hidden any sort of package from the Nazis when they captured her. I wouldn't say any of that to Tamar and Rachel, though. Not until I found out what she was up to now. Instead, I said... 
Esther must stay. You've asked for my opinion about how best to carry out your fight. Well, it's my opinion that you need Esther here. She won't make the difference between a victory or a loss, but she will carry out her orders as well as anyone else did or die trying. After a brief pause, Rachel said, thank you for that. We'll consider your words. We have one last thing to tell you, Tamir said, or rather show you. There's someone who asked to be here when our meeting was finished. My brows pressed together as I tried to make sense of his vague words, but I turned when Rachel stood and opened the bunker door mumbling, come in. It took me a moment to recognize the person who walked inside. He was older now, several centimeters taller, and clearly was fighting back tears. It was Yitshak, my brother.